Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello everyone, good evening. Welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us at this slightly adjusted time, only five hours earlier than usual, and on a different channel. (laughs) I appreciate your adaptability. This audience is like the fungus of the internet. Once upon a time, fungus was able to be grown in the atmospheric conditions akin to the planet of Jupiter. I consider you the fungus of Jupiter. Thanks for joining us. Skull! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am your host, Boogie Bumper. Hopefully for the next hour or so, we'll see how we go. We're going to have some fun tonight. Thank you for joining us at this adjusted time, as I said in the intro. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you. Hope you've had a lovely day. I certainly have. (laughs) Let me tell you what a great day I've had. We're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. The stash... The stash is no more. The stash has been done away with. The stash has been sayonara'd. He's out of there. Get the hell out of there, John. The manager walked up to John Bolton during the fifth inning and took the ball out of his out of his vice-like grip hand <laughs> and then slapped him across the face and said, "Take the hit the showers, hit the showers. You're out of there." So we're going to get into a little bit of that. Um, just before we get too far, yes, this is going to be the new channel for the show. So there's going to be, you know, we usually have like around 100 people watching. I have moderation on. I don't even know. We usually have around 100 people watching live on Periscope. It's only the Periscope people that are affected. So YouTube, uh, DLive and Twitch, few as you are, I appreciate your attendance all the same. But for the Periscope people, if you want to keep up with this show in the future, then you'll have to follow this account uh, at Daily Boogie Show. It's going to be the new one. Um, reason being, <coughs> pardon me, a couple of reasons. Um, I just got to thinking the other day, not everything is about politics. And this show isn't you know, necessarily about politics either. But I'm so anal retentive that Sometimes I'm just walking down the road and looking at something and I would love to, you know, just hit the go live button and share a thought, but I can't do it because I look at all of the previous entries and it's all this podcast, if you know what I mean. And I like the uniformity of it. I like the way that it's just this podcast. So I'm thinking that we'll make this the podcast channel. And uh, at Boogie Bumper is going to be, you know, the everything channel, if that makes any sense whatsoever. So this is the place to be if you want to participate in the live recording of the podcast every single day. And the reason for the time change, yes, uh, different circumstances at my day job, at my full-time paying job, have led me to, unfortunately, go a little bit sleep-deprived in the last 24 hours and go at this different time. But hey... We're on a really small channel, so it's a really. <laughs> this is going to be a great show because I know 
I know the only people who are watching right now are the people who, one, either stumbled, either fell ass backwards into it and had no intention of watching this. And now they're kind of like, what is this fucking idiot saying? Fuck this guy. I'm going to troll this guy. Or number two, um, the real hardcore fans, of which there are very few. So <laughs> we're going to have some fun tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to... Uh, please, You see the sleep deprivation? Please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bum. You know what I think I need? I think I need another sip of beer here. Mm. Mm. Wonderful. The finest cheap imported German beer that I could find. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to insult me over my choice of cheap imported German beer in a can. <laughs> you see? Because <laughs> everybody knows the top, the, the best quality beer comes in cans, right? If you'd like to insult me over that, then please do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into it. The big news of the day. Mr. John Bolton, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's start off with this. Donald Trump announces firing of National Security Chief John Bolton. There's so many angles to come at this. There's so many ways that we can approach this conversation. But I thought that a, a conversation as serious as this, and by the way, I just want to let you know, um, Australian Defence Force personnel are now rejoicing in the streets knowing that John Bolton is no longer uh, deciding whether or not they will go and die in some foreign desert shithole on the other side of the world. Just so you know, the, the Australian Defence Force personnel are like, really, that Bolton guy, he's out? Thank God. Because <laughs> now we're not going to have to follow America into some other fucking oil war. We, we get to stay home for Christmas, boys. Yeah. So the Australian Defence Force personnel are very, very happy with the firing slash resignation of John Bolton. <clears throat> but a story as serious as, as this requires a certain amount of ambiance. I think you'll agree. A certain kind of cognitive environment in order to frame the proceedings of today and frame the events of today in the appropriate context. Because you see, we are talking about the most powerful country on earth. We are talking about one of the men in the most powerful country on earth, charged with such a very, very serious job, very serious responsibility. So we need to treat it with the appropriate amount of respect. There's a sad sort of clanging on the clock in the Pardon hall me. and the bells in the steeple. <laughs> this is really dumb. National Security Advisor John Bolton. Oh, by the way. Okay. <laughs> National Security Advisor John Bolton is the latest to be sacked by Donald Trump following a heated argument with the president. US President Donald Trump announced he had fired his hawkish National Security Advisor John Bolton. I love the I love the way that the term hawkish is being thrown around now because back in the 60s and the 70s hawkish was a term that was referred uh, that was used to refer to Democrats of the time. It's a term it, it comes from liberal hawk. You know, the kind of Democrats that love 
um, going around the world and sending a lot of bombs overseas and sending men, young men and women to die in foreign shitholes on other sides of the world. Like that, that's where the term comes from, liberal hawk. So now John Bolton is apparently a very hawkish individual. <laughs> US President Donald Trump announced he had fired his hawkish national security advisor, John Bolton, saying he disagreed strongly with his positions. Uh, I asked John for, I asked John for his resignation, which was given to me this morning, Mr. Trump announced on Twitter. I informed John Bolton last night that his services are no longer needed at the White House, Mr. Trump wrote, saying that he would name a replacement next week. Our one soldier down, one soldier in. That's the way it works. Mr. Bolton denied being fired, saying he had resigned. <laughs> John. <laughs> John, John. Johnny boy. Johnny boy, Stash, let me fill you in on a little secret here, John. Um, if the boss asks for your resignation, <laughs> that's not the same as resigning. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't get to walk out with your head held high. If you're being asked for your resignation, it's, it's usually you're being, that's a courtesy. You know what I mean? That's a professional courtesy that you extend to somebody when you want them to go out the back door. Genuinely, uh, generally, when you're being asked for your resignation, like you might get some holiday pay, you might get some sick leave pay that's owing to you because you're resigning instead of being fired, right? But apparently now, because Mr. Bolton is saying that uh, he resigned instead of being asked for his resignation, like he needs to get that one-upmanship on the way out the door. But of course, being asked for your resignation is essentially the same thing as being fired. <laughs> <laughs> it's the nice way of firing someone. Yeah, it's the sound of music. Because we were saying uh, so long, Alfita saying goodbye to John Bolton. Do you want to play it again? I'll play it again. Keep it rolling in the background for this conversation. Uh, there are a number of ways that you can look at this. The first question I have, Platinum Mimi, thanks for joining us. The first uh, question I have is for the Q followers in the audience. Now, I know the Q followers. I'm not a Q follower. Um... I'm, I'm definitely, I, here's the thing when it comes to me on Q and people, are, sometimes people think oh, like I'm a Q person and sometimes people argue that I'm not. Let me say this, I'm probably not, but that doesn't mean that information is false because of the source. If anybody's been watching this show long enough, they'll know that sometimes we extract nuggets of wisdom from the most unlikely of sources. I'm not a source Nazi. So I find the premise of Q, that being that there is uh, one or many people who are, you know, working in some kind of secret super spy capacity posting things on 8chan, I find that to be um, less than feasible, right? I, I find it unlikely. But that doesn't mean that certain information that comes out of the you know, the groundswell of people who are engaged in this conversation is instantaneously false. Because if you write two plus two on a piece of paper and hand it to me, and you say two plus two equals four, I'll say, yes, that's correct. Now, if you hand me a piece of paper that says two plus two equals four and say it was written by Santa Claus, I'm going to say, well, I don't think it was written by Santa Claus, but that doesn't mean that two plus two equals four is wrong, if you follow me. But putting that to one side, I have a question for the Q people. Q people like to look into uh, numbers and they say that certain dates have certain significance and stuff. So 
on the 10th of December last year, John Bolton gave a speech to the Heritage Foundation, I think you'll find, where he criticised the UN and more, uh, in a more pronounced fashion, he criticised the ICC, which is the International Criminal Court. Okay? And he said that the US shouldn't be beholden to the laws of the ICC. And this was very much, you know, lambasted in the press at the time. I, I don't necessarily disagree with him. <clears throat> but I have a feeling. Now, if you want to look into the numbers, John Bolton being the kind of guy he is, the day before the September 11 ceremonies, I reckon this is the best time to fire John Bolton because if you let John Bolton, you can't fire him on September 11. You can't fire him on September 11. Never mind optics. There's just too much shit going on. You don't want to take away from the September 11 commemorations, right? You don't want to be insensitive in that regard. So if you were going to fire John Bolton, the best possible time would be before September 11. Because knowing John Bolton as we do, I think that there's a suspicion if John Bolton was allowed to attend all of the various September 11 ceremonies in his capacity as the national security advisor, he might get a little more hawkish <laughs> after the September 11. Like, I can just see John Bolton on September 12 sidling up to Donald Trump saying, hey, you know you know what, Donald? Um, you know, I, I, seeing those American flags waving out there and seeing those Marines salute and seeing all the commemorations, do you realize that there is, like, millions of Arabs that we can kill right now? <laughs> We can send our boys to Iran right now and Iraq. And we there are so many Arabs running around there with AK-47s. We can literally bomb like millions of people if you want to. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm just going to put it on the table, John, uh, Mr. Trump. I'm just going to put it on the table, Mr. President. You know, you know, seeing all those American flags waving and all those anthems getting sung and all of those Marines saluting, well, goddammit, I just felt like jumping into a B-52 and bombing the Arabs myself. <laughs> so maybe Donald Trump sat down with his advisors and said, look, we can't let John go to another one of these things because you know what? We're going to have to hear about it all day tomorrow. He's going to go over. He's going to want to bomb the shit out of everybody tomorrow if we don't get rid of him today. So maybe it was a good thing. Get, get rid of John Bolton on September 10. He doesn't get to attend the September 11 rallies and he doesn't get another hard-on for a whole bunch of people living on the other side of the world who uh, the threat to the United States equates to a machine gun on the back of a Toyota, which is essentially what we're dealing with here. But there are other ways to... You know, people are saying he was a dog on a leash. So... There's a couple of ways you can look at it. Um, I tend to suspect that it's 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 very inconvenient for President Trump heading into an election campaign to have to have somebody publicly arguing against his best interest. It's it doesn't work well for Donald Trump to run on a platform of no more foreign wars, no more foreign wars, no more foreign wars. And then have a guy, whenever he opens his mouth, talk about how we need to bomb the shit out of, of somebody on the other side of the world. It doesn't work in an election campaign. It's not going to be good for him, right? But I think whichever way you look at this, 
uh, it's a win-win situation. Like, I, I don't know too many people who are going to be standing around saying, God, I wish John Bolton was still there. <laughs> the, the One of the funniest things for me is it's going to be in the next 24 to 48 hours, the way that the corporate media is going to spin this. And now they're going to have to come out and say how they're such bloodthirsty, they're such a bloodthirsty horde that they can't live without foreign wars. They need murder overseas. We need to be bombing women and children in hospitals. Fucking, what about John Bolton's legacy, damn it? Why doesn't John Bolton get the respect? Donald Trump is even going to disagree with John Bolton. You know, they hated him for the last three or four, 10, 20 years. But that won't matter. Tomorrow, they'll love the guy. They'll say he's the best thing. They'll say he's he's a dog with 10 dicks to lick. He's the bee's knees. He's the best thing going. So they'll be forced to defend their pro-war agenda thanks to the firing of John Bolton. People say uh, he was hired for a job. Maybe. Maybe. But uh, I struggle to think of one job that John Bolton actually successfully completed. Like, I, I can't think of one foreign policy goal that was fervid, uh, furthered thanks to John Bolton. Can you? Can you think of one thing that John Bolton did? I, I can't. He, ne- he nearly single-handedly fucked up the North Korean deal. He, I, I know that. Uh, he was advocating for war in Iran in a campaign, in, in an election year. I know that. <laughs> So I can't think of any task that he did. Um, if he was hired for a specific role, I would say, you know, in my in my opinion, my humble opinion, which probably isn't worth much, uh, that role might have been just appearances. Because you'll remember at the time, uh, President Trump had recently lost uh, General Flynn, who was a hard ass, and Wrights Priebus advocated strongly for his replacement to be somewhat of a cuck. And so after that, um, you know, not wanting to project any kind of weakness on when it comes to foreign policy and whatnot, you throw a guy like John Bolton in who's who's just going to say, let's just bomb everybody and f- and be done with it. Kill them all and let God sort them out. There's your new foreign policy, Mr. President. But I suspect heading into an election year, it's not necessarily helpful to have a guy like that running wild. So he had to be done away with done away with um a man that amazingly i find polarizes a lot of donald trump supporters in the united states uh rand paul who i personally think to be one of the most if not the most reasonable person on capitol hill in an age where everybody seems to be getting increasingly insane a guy who sometimes says things that you agree with, sometimes says things that you disagree with, but always provides at least a valid argument for the things that he says, which is more than you can say for about just about anybody in politics today. Not everybody, but just about. Uh, this is what he had to say on the firing of John Bolton. Let's have a look. Rand Paul with me now. Senator, good to see you. Uh, what do you make of this? You know, I think uh, the threat of war around the world is greatly diminished with Bolton out of the White House. 
I think he had a naive point of view for the world that we should topple regimes everywhere and institute, you know, democratic governments and we would make the world perfect or remake the world in our image. And frankly, it just doesn't work that way. There's a lot of history of... <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. This, this, whole, this whole shtick from the 1990s, uh, you know, demo- we're building democracy. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna export freedom around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, there are cultures and peoples who have no uh, historical leaning toward freedom whatsoever. Not the American version of it anyway. In fact, the very same cultures and peoples who were getting bombed into submission and apparently would love freedom as a result of it, they laugh at you. They say you are hedonistic. They say you are heathen. They say you are ungodly. They say you are dynamic swine. Uh, they, they don't want anything to do with your version of freedom. And whenever, you know, a government goes in there and says, okay, we're going we're gonna to give you guys some freedom. Thank you. You can thank us later. You can thank us later for the freedom we're delivering here. Uh, within, what, five or ten years, they're replaced by another despot and an even, an even more bloodthirsty one because the next despot has to go around and wipe out all of the people who wanted to have freedom. <laughs> Usually with the with a groundswell of support from the rest of the society that we're delivering the freedom to. So it doesn't work. But I never found that argument to be valid in the first place. I never thought that the whole delivering freedom thing was something that people actually believed in. I thought it had more to do with controlling the people that you install. See, under the guise of freedom, you can get away with a whole bunch of free market shit that you couldn't get away with with an authoritarian regime, right? Hey, let's bring these guys some freedom. Let's bring them some capitalism. Hey, we, we're going to install this. We're going to install this power plant. You got a problem with that? No, of course not. We love capitalism. Don't worry, we'll pay you off. It's going to be great. Bring in some welfare. Buy some food. Hey, you feel like some foreign aid? Yeah, that sounds good. We like some foreign aid. Money for nothing and chicks for free. Let's do this. No worries. We're just going to put a pipeline like right through the middle of your house here. I'm sure you don't have any problem with that, right? No, no. We're free market. Hey, we're giving you jobs. We're giving you freedom. Don't worry about it. You're going to love this. You're going to love this deal. (laughs) So oftentimes, I, I, I find anyway, but I'm a very cynical person, the idea of selling freedom is more about uh, what they can sell you back rather than what you can sell to the people who don't necessarily want freedom in the first place, who want something else entirely. Getting rid of strong men in the Middle East and having them replaced by vacuums or chaos or actually making the place more high. <laughs> Getting rid of strong men, having them replaced by vacuums and chaos. I'm sorry, it's just too easy. Uh, you mean libertarian utopia? <laughs> You mean replacing it with vacuums and chaos and anarchy, the kind of libertarian utopia that we like here. (laughs) Hospitable for terrorist training. So I think his idea that the way you deal with Iran is you just topple the government or the way you deal with North Korea is you topple the government really wasn't what the president's been talking about. The president's actually talking about not having regime change and finding a diplomatic solution to some of these conflicts around the world. And I think the president... Say it's beautiful. If you're a very principled isolationist, you won't have a problem with the firing of John Bolton, right? 
The other, the other side of this is if you're a principled isolationist, oftentimes you will get criticized by very uh, ardent Donald Trump supporters, very uh, committed Donald Trump supporters who mainly care about winning, you know, winning the election, winning votes, changing minds, winning the hearts and minds of the population. Uh, you'll often get criticized because sometimes you'll say something like uh, you'll make a principled stance on something and they say, well, fuck it, we have to do it because we need to win. So if you're a principled isolationist, um, the firing of John Bolton is a win. But if you're also a, you know, an ardent uh, Donald Trump supporter who just cares about winning, then the firing of John Bolton is also a win. Like there is no loss here. Because like I said, during an election campaign, you can't have a guy out there. If one of your platforms is no more foreign wars... You can't have your uh, national security advisor advocating for foreign wars during an election campaign. So he had to be done away with. Now, I'm not somebody that thinks uh, John Bolton is calling the shots. I don't think that John Bolton is getting America into wars where they wouldn't have them because I don't think that Donald Trump is that stupid to allow that situation to take place. But at the same time, Donald Trump is a businessman. And Donald Trump would know that if you are running a business and you have one particular board member that is openly advocating to the press something that is contrary to the interests of the business and not putting up a united front at the time of the next board election, then that person needs to be given a sweetheart deal and sent on their way. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Let's carry on with Rand deserves to have somebody who's his national security advisor who actually will try to further his policy and not try to stymie it. Senator, your colleague Ted Cruz, though, didn't quite feel the same way. He said that I sincerely hope his leaving, referring to Bolton, does not mean that the deep state forces at state and treasury who have been fighting tooth and nail to preserve the Obama-Iran nuclear deal have finally convinced the president to go soft on Iran. What did you make of that? I think it's more about whether or not we should intervene. Someone on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, someone on Twitter asked uh, if Michael Bolton will come out and sing a tribute to his brother, John Bolton, on the anniversary of his firing. And all I could think was, And when Iran loves a Bolton! I know, it's fucking awful. Trust me, I haven't slept for like 24 hours everywhere whether we should have regime change or whether we should try diplomacy whether we see the world as it is and try to you know work within the world and engage with people around the world or whether we say oh we must have a perfect thomas jefferson leader in every country the problem is is when people like bolton say oh we're going to topple Gaddafi and we're going to make libya into this great american style republic they don't elect thomas jefferson they, they elect another religious leader who becomes an autocrat in in place of one religious leader or one stop stop making so much sense mr paul stop making so much sense rand don't you get it, Rand? <laughs> this guy's a hard ass. We love the hard ass. The best part for me is going to be, and this is going to piss off some people. I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm, I'm burning this whole platform down. I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm honest with you and it means 10 people are watching at the end of the day, then so be it. I'm happy to have you. I'm going to be honest with you. This is going to piss off some people. 
Uh, for all of the people who have been saying over the last 12 or 18 months, John Bolton's good, John Bolton's the guy, John Bolton's the guy we want in there, and the whole proof for John Bolton being the good guy, the guy we want in there, the 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 rabid dog, uh, the, the man, the killer, the guy who's getting the job done because Donald Trump never makes a mistake, well, why is he fucking fired then? <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> Maybe not everything is a good thing. Maybe not everything is a good thing. Someone in the chat saying, mind your own business. I will. I will. This is an international show. This is a very international community. I was just watching clips of uh, UK newscasters talking about the sacking of John Bolton. See, whatever. This is the problem, right? Um I know you didn't mean it like that, but I'm just going to use it as a jumping off point, Jules. I know you I know you weren't saying it like that, so don't take this the wrong way. But I love when people come out and say, like, I had someone in the chat yesterday. who's like, are you an American? Why are you, t- why are you talking about this if you're not an American? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, the reality for the rest of us is when America sneezes, we all catch a cold. And maybe if, you know, 50% of your population cared about your American politics as, you know, 50% of the world population does, whether they're allies who have to follow American uh, America into foreign wars or the people that America bombs <laughs> when they don't like them, whatever the situation may be, I've got news for you. If you want to be the most powerful country on earth, you're going to have to expect a little bit of attention from other people around the world. He's like, what? Mind your own business. It's like, well, if we leave you to your own devices, you're either going to collapse and the world economy is going to collapse or you're going to bomb your way out of it, which means we're all fucked. So, sorry. Next time, don't win World War II. If you don't want to be the most powerful country on earth, then don't win World War II next time, okay? And there'll be people in the chat going, yeah, lose the war. (laughs) You're not thinking about this. You haven't thought about this at all. Uh, let's see what the people on CNN are saying, because this is the good stuff. Welcome to Inside Politics. I'm John King. Dramatic breaking news just as we begin the hour. The President of the United States announcing on Twitter his national security advisor, John Bolton, is leaving. You see the tweet from oh. the President right there. I asked for John for his resignation, which was given to me this morning. I thank John very much for his service. I will be naming a new national security advisor this week. Uh, there have long been tensions between... Next week. He said next week. Come on. At least read it right. He said next week, not this week. I mean, the president and his national security advisor. It's going to be a long process. It's going to be a long process to choose a replacement. Long been tensions between the national security advisor and the rest of the president's national security team, including the secretary of state, Mike Pompeo. I know I know what you meant, Jules. That's why I said I'm I'm not I, I was only using you as a jumping off point. I wasn't using you. If you can figure that out. It's not about you, Jules. <laughs> Timing here is striking as the administration uh, continues to try to work out uh, its policy when it comes to Iran. Just moments ago, the Israeli prime minister. And- Even the way that they. It's so salty. It's so bitchy. I, 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 I'm almost becoming a fan of it now because it's so bitchy. As they continue to try to work out their policy when it comes to Iran. I would argue that their policy has been so uh, predictable on Iran that it actually enrages me. (laughs) They've been so consistent with their policy on Iran. They've all been saying the same thing on Iran that it actually pisses me off. (laughs) 
Oh, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do about Iran. Announcing his plans to greatly expand Israeli control to annex parts of the West Bank. So a dramatic foreign policy development from the President of the United States this morning as we try to get more on this breaking news story. Okay, Here tell us. Me in Bring in the experts. And now, this is going to sound incredibly sexist. This is going to look really, really sexist. But let's bring in the experts. Let's bring in the experts when it comes to the intricacies of foreign diplomacy, when it comes to geopolitical power struggles, when it comes to foreign conflicts, and when it comes to national security. Let's bring in the experts. Who is our expert panel, ladies and gentlemen? And their insights, CNN's Nia Malika Henderson, Molly Ball with Time, Heather Cagle with Politico, and Vivian Salama with The Wall Street Journal. Let me... <laughs> we find a general couldn't we f i will settle for the guy who cleans the toilets in the barracks where the marines are stationed i will settle for the guy who scrubs the barnacles off the submarine when it's in dry dock just give me anyone in a uniform anyone no nope. <laughs> we've got the cnn chick the politico chick the washington post chick and some other magazine, <laughs> some other opinion writer, people who have never been anywhere near a conflict, people who have never been anywhere near government, anywhere near power. They've never been involved in any kind of foreign policy discussion at the highest levels. They've never even held a gun. <laughs> I'll, I'll give me anyone. I don't care. <clears throat> give me the guy who services the rifles when the Marines are on shore leave over the writer for the Washington Post, uh, Politico, uh, CNN, and the New York Times. I know it sounds incredibly sexist. I will even take a female. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think I know where this comes from. I think I know where this sexism, this misogyny comes from. It's because I read it in Salon earlier today. What's destroying democracy around the world, at least in part misogyny and sexism? There you go. There you go. You knew this was coming. The, the worldwide rise of authoritarianism is a direct result of men's profound unwillingness to share power with women. I don't like sharing power with women. Um, just just for the uh, the slower feminist ladies in the audience, I have a hot tip for you. When it comes to power, trust me, all of the heterosexual men in the world agree <laughs> that the the true source of power does not come from the set of testicles of another man in uniform, but rather the lack of testicles that a female might possess at any given time, whenever she chooses. That's where the real power is. <laughs> oh, the authority, the rise in authoritarianism is all down to men's unwillingness to share power with women. No, no, no. The women really do have the power because they can wrap men around their little finger and get them to dance to whatever tune they want. As long as there is some kind of promise at the end of it, or even the hint of a promise at the end of it, that some kind of uh, instinctual need is going to be satisfied. 
I love this is one of the best openings for any article I have ever read in my entire life. And trust me, I have read many. What if the reason democracy is collapsing around the world is because men really don't want to do the dishes? <laughs> if that's all it was, fucking hallelujah. We'd all be holding hands and dancing around with rainbows shooting out of our ass. Good morning, starshine. All we have to do is do the dishes and nobody's going to die in Iraq. Did you, didn't you hear, honey? I, I, I love the idea of it too because here you have a plate of dishes and here you have a mountain of body bags due to foreign wars. And apparently, according to Salon, the guys will take the body bags. <laughs> they might even end up in one of the body bags. But I'm not scrubbing that. I'm not scrubbing the, I'm not scrubbing the pasta sauce out of that pot. No way in hell. Send me to Afghanistan. I don't even care. Send me to die in a war in Iran. I will get nuked in World War Three before I empty the dishwasher. That's the way it works. That might sound a bit silly, the author continues, but it was a thought that kept creeping up on me while reading this excellent and thoughtful examination of the rise of anti-liberalism around the globe by Zach Beecham at Vox. By anti-liberalism, Beecham doesn't mean a rejection of the narrowly defined liberalism of the Democratic Party, but the school of thought that takes freedom, consent, and autonomy as foundational moral values. That is traditionally understood to be a, uh, to have been defined by Enlightenment philosophers, particularly John Locke, uh, and underpins the institution of democracy itself. I love when uh, liberal publications, self-proclaimed liberal publications, like to talk about the values of liberalism, especially when one takes into context the foundational moral values, as is quoted in the article, of liberalism, uh, meaning that once upon a time it meant private property, free speech, and guns. <laughs> yes, yes. Private property, which you are allowed to own, it's not a sin, uh, free speech to defend your right to own a gun to defend your property. That, that's what liberalism was, right? And now, like, you know, all of the liberal politicians and the liberal journos, uh, by and large, one after another, hook, line and sinker, are all in the tank for being against those things. Hey, we're the real liberals here. But I just thought that was funny. What's destroying democracy around the world, at least in part misogyny and sexism? <laughs> sexism is destroying democracy. <laughs> You'll actually find on many corners of the internet, people argue that uh, letting women vote destroyed democracy. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with it, but I don't necessarily not agree with it. If you know what I mean. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. Let's get to the main topic today. What it's like to be targeted by a troll army. Ladies and gentlemen, this is another edition of... The Weekly Stelter. It's Weekly Stelter. Brian Stelter brought in a journo that I've never heard of or some kind of union member for journalists that I've never heard of to talk about uh, the pain that can be suffered by people in the media industry when it comes to being targeted by quote-unquote troll armies 
Troll Army. Army is the theme of the day today. Imagine you just published a big story. You're feeling good after weeks of hard work. Then you peek your social media accounts and you are suddenly inundated. Oh. Insults as far as the site yep. can scroll. Yeah. A troll army saying troll army. you're worthless, biased, fat, dumb, sick, evil. <laughs> Attackers are trying to get you fired. Not a <laughs> you're worth what was it? You're worthless, dumb, fat, sick, and evil. That's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. You should you should be thankful, Brian. They weren't calling you a white male. <laughs> accounts are telling you to kill yourself or offering to do the job themselves well the um uh, 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 no 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 see how he's merging this do you see the concepts that are being merged here can we just put it straight out on the record right now that threatening to kill somebody is not trolling that's not trolling see i i see a lot of people nowadays a lot of people on the internet I'm of the age where I grew up, like, in my formative teenage years in at the birth of the internet. So I'm, I'm old enough, quote-unquote, to experience, like, the real internet where it took 20 minutes to load breasts. Like, that's, that's dedication. But it was all, like, uh, chat rooms, like IRC and stuff, right? Trolling is not threatening to kill somebody. Threatening to kill somebody is threatening to kill somebody. That's a crime, right? That is a legit crime. You can't just threaten to kill people. That's not trolling. Trolling is something else entirely. The main uh, objective of trolling, I think, is to get people to change their behavior. To, you know, to send them into a, into a rage, to get them off topic, to get them to hyper-focus on something that they don't want to hyper-focus on, to make them look unstable, right? But just coming out and saying, I'm going to fucking kill you. That's not trolling. And there's a whole bunch of people. And I'm sorry to say, I think it's a generational thing. I think, you know, the, the boomer generation tend to think that if they go on to somebody's timeline and say, yeah, well, God bless America and post an American flag and say, all of you people need to be dead. They think that that's trolling, but that's not trolling. <laughs> that's just going on someone's timeline and saying you wish that they were dead. It's a totally different thing. Trolling is all about psychological manipulation. And back before, you know, there was live streaming and stuff, when you only had text to work with, sometimes you would have to invest at least 10 minutes into a target to get them to fly off the handle, to get them to rage quit, to get them to change their behavior. It's an art form. About you know identifying uh, identifying a weakness, uh, identifying uh, a, a chink in the armor, and then zeroing, sending your arrows directly to that hotspot. It's not just saying I'm gonna fucking kill you. Did you see how I trolled that guy? Did you see how I trolled him? I trolled him so hard. You really didn't. You just threatened to kill him on the internet, which I think is some kind of federal offense. But. <laughs> But so they're going to lump in, um, you know, all of the other shit and call it trolling because the object isn't the lumping in of all of the other shit and calling it trolling. The object is to get rid of trolling. So they're going to say that trolling equals death threats, but trolling doesn't equal death threats. But remember, they're not trying to get rid of the death threats. They're trying to get rid of the other stuff, the real trolling, the real trolling that makes them look silly. The real trolling that causes them to go on Twitter tirades 
and accuse people of being Nazis and whatnot. That's what they're trying to get rid of. The trolling that undermines their authority when cheeky little anonymous people on the internet get into their head and get into their psyche and then make them look unhinged by their own actions. That's what they're trying to get rid of. The Committee to Protect Journalists is out with a new report on this issue, this issue of online harassment, showing how big this problem is, how pervasive it is. And see, now trolling, now trolling, in, in the space of 30 seconds, Brian is really good at this. In the space of 30 seconds, he has made trolling equal death threats and trolling equal harassment when it's neither of those things in reality. Especially for female reporters. CBJ has updated its safety kit as a result, giving reporters advice about removing vulnerable personal data from the web. <laughs> yeah, see, if you want to avoid trolling on the internet, the worst thing that you could do would be to publish a, a safety guide for journalists on the internet. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying here? Do you see what I'm getting at? If you're if you're a journalist, if you're a young and up and coming journalist and you're working you're working for like the social media team at the New York Times or the Washington Post or whatever, you do not want the rest of the internet finding out that you have been handed a pamphlet on how to protect yourself against internet trolls. <laughs> this is this is the equivalent of throwing a dump truck full of of diesel on the fire. You're only making it worse at that point. That's not how it works and what to do if you've been doxxed with that data. And they've also shared information about addressing the psychological impacts of online harassment and threats. You know, some people out there are doing some real good work when it comes to protecting journalists against those nasty internet trolls. What we're doing is advising our members, our journalists, to seek psychiatric help when it comes to dealing with people on the internet. It's like, it's like, who wrote this? Who wrote this shit? Do you really think now that the internet knows, do you really think now that the internet trolls are aware that they are, they are causing uh, journalists to seek mental health advice when it comes to dealing with trolling on the internet, that this is going to stop the trolling? Do you really think that that's going to help? Are you really, do you really have your members' best interests at heart here? Are you really trying to look after your journalists? It doesn't sound... It sounds like you're marching them into machine gun fire by the looks of it. Maybe to prove a point. I'm not sure. Here to discuss this new report in detail is Courtney Rash. Detail. Uh, she's uh, at CPJ. She's the advocacy director of the organization. So the report is up uh, on uh, cpj.org, Courtney. Why was... Come on, Bri Bri. Why was it important for your group, which focuses on press freedom, to take a look at online harassment specifically? I think what we've seen with online harassment is that it is the biggest safety concern facing women journalists we survey. Oh, my God. My God. Okay. Okay. So remember the premise of this is um, apparently targeted harassment because now they call, they're calling death threats trolling. Death threats are not trolling. And they're calling targeted harassment trolling, which is not trolling. But what we really don't like is when journalists post things online and people say things about it which we don't like. That's what we're really getting at here. And isn't it cute that CNN, 
would be at the forefront of this battle. Isn't it cute that they're ta- now talking about free press? See, another, another truthism for you. If you don't have freedom to criticize the press, then you don't have a free press. Do you understand that, Brian? <laughs> Brian. Bri, Bri. I've got nothing I've got nothing but love for you. But freedom of the press equals freedom to criticize the press. You know, in countries where you're not allowed to question anything that the news says, that's not a free press, Brian. That's not how it works. When the official news reports come out and everybody agrees for fear of death, that's not a free press. When official news reports come out and people are told that they're not allowed to criticise it, that's not a free press. I want to take you back, ladies and gentlemen. Do you remember this? Remember, uh, these people are handing out pamphlets to help journalists deal with doxing, right? Now, I'm not in favour of doxing. I think doxing is awful. Doxing is horrible. And it's a dick move. It's a coward move. But putting that to one side, CNN doesn't like the idea of journalists being doxxed. And with that, I agree. If only CNN agreed with their own anti-doxing stance, because they don't. How a CNN investigation set off an internet meme war. Who remembers this? As Americans relaxed over a long 4th of July weekend, the pro-Trump meme factories were gathering up for war. These online communities, which churn out low-fi, low-fi shareable images and videos meant to amuse and energize President Trump's social media supporters while provoking his enemies, were spurred to action by what, in their world, qualified as a series of seismic events. The first shot came on Sunday morning when President Trump tweeted a video that depicted him in a professional wrestling arena attacking a man with a CNN logo superimposed on his head. The meme, or one very similar to it, had been created by a user on Reddit, the popular internet forum, and posted days earlier on R. The Donald, an active pro-Trump forum there, before making its way to the wider internet and finally to the 33.3 million Twitter followers of the leader of the free world. It's actually up to 50 million now in the space of two years. Just letting you know. In the world of meme creators where getting a presidential tweet is akin to having your artwork hung on the wall of the Smithsonian, President Trump's post was cause for celebration. Days later, that Reddit user became a figure of national interest as news organisations checked his posting history and discovered he had a record of creating memes that were racist and anti-Semitic. On Monday, uh, by the way, uh, if you have any qualms or any uh, misgivings about uh, the ideology known as Zionism, you are now an anti-Semitic. If you criticise George Soros, you're now an anti-Semitic. See, the definition of terms like anti-Semitic and racist need to be understood before we just start slinging them about willy-nilly. On Monday, a CNN reporter tracked down the identity of the user who quickly deleted his post, renounced his meme-creating ways and apologised in a long, seemingly sincere post to the Donald. CNN declined to name the user but said somewhat mysteriously that it reserves the right to publish his identity in the future if he continued to create offensive content. Ladies and gentlemen, I thought we were all about the free press here. I thought we didn't like when people who publish things online get harassed and doxxed. 
I thought we were against that. The words from Brian Stelter once again, just in case you forgot. Imagine you just published a big story. You're feeling good after. Uh, the Russians, I don't care if they were. Sorry about the dip in audio. Uh, we're back. So I was just saying, remember, uh, we really dislike when people are targeted for things that they post online. We really dislike it when people are targeted for things and when they are bullied and harassed, right? We're really against that stuff here at CNN. Also at CNN, we target and bully and harass little old ladies on their own front lawn because they were part of a Russia election meddling scheme, which equates to, in this day and age, posting things on a Facebook fan page. <laughs> Remember, we're really against targeted harassment of individual people for the things that they say online, right? But what part of it in this is a cover-up? What? Are you well, saying that's they, not true or what? Uh, the Russians? I don't care if they were uh, involved or not. That's, that's I, I love the dog barking in the background. <laughs> because I, I guarantee you, because you can hear it in the background, rah, 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 yapping its head off. I guarantee you that's the kind of dog that would never bark. It never barks. I don't know what's gotten into Fluffy. Fluffy's always been such a nice little puppy. He never barks. I'm sorry, darling. He never barks at anyone. Just the CNN guy. <laughs> to me, is the least important thing. But they were involved with you. Did you guys know that? They weren't involved with us. You know, just make sure that you report it correctly. That, you know. But you guys were involved with being patriotic, right? Very, very patriotic, but not... Being patriotic was the group that contacted and helped organize some of these Anybody activities that you stuff? posted on your own Facebook account. Th those were legitimate. Those were Russians. They weren't See, we really hate it when people are doxxed, when people are harassed for things that they post online, aren't we, Brian? We really dislike that, don't we, Brian? Let's play Brian one more time. Imagine you just published a big story. You're feeling good after weeks of hard work. Then you peek your social media accounts and you are suddenly inundated. Yep. Insults as far as the site sure. can scroll. A troll army saying, you're worthless, biased, fat, dumb, sick, evil. Or Nazi, uneducated, racist, homophobic, and uh, generally unlikable. Might be some of the insults that are coming your way, perhaps, depending on what, depending on what persuasion you identify as, I suspect. And remember, we really hate that. We really hate it when that sort of thing happens to people. We really dislike that kind of behaviour here at CNN, which is why we threatened to dox a meme maker if they didn't uh, denounce their activities and promise never to make another meme again, and which is why we harassed a little old lady on her own front lawn and, on her own front lawn and accused her of being part of a Russian plot to steal the election. Because we really hate it when private people are targeted in such a, in such a shameful way. We really like it. Uh, we really dislike it when people are targeted unfairly, right? Because of the trolls, ladies and gentlemen. Think of the trolls. The, poor, the troll armies are out to get all these poor innocent journalists. Uh, innocent journalists who make comments like this about other people.
We've come uh, a long, long way uh, from the from the days of uh, dogs, police dogs, and fire hoses, and lynchings, and those types of things. But those activities take different forms today, and they manifest themselves very differently. The KKK, the Nazis, they aren't running around in hoods and burning crosses. They're getting tiki torches and wearing izads and and pullovers, right? And walking so, in public and walking in public. So it's a very different environment. Yes. The Catholic school, the Covington Catholic school kids. Remember that? Hey, the KKK aren't burning crosses anymore. They're wearing red hats and standing close to uh, Native American individuals. The Nazis, the KKK. Because remember, ladies and gentlemen, we really dislike it when people are targeted unfairly. We really don't like that here at the corporate media. That is something that we all should be against. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Brian Brian and I'll say it before and I've said it again um, death threats is not trolling death threats is death threats right harassment is not trolling harassment is harassment that's why there's a separate word for it and as much as you try to make death threats and harassment the same thing as trolling Hopefully enough people are have the ability to recognize the difference. Because I don't think that they're trying to get rid of the death threats and harassment because they love the death threats and harassment. Remember Deborah Messing in the last week? Hey, let's get all of the people in Hollywood who donated to Donald Trump and post their shit online because we hate doxing. We hate harassment. Hey, remember that guy who made that meme? where Donald Trump beat the guy in the wrestling ring with the CNN head. Yeah, let's threaten to post his personal details on CNN unless he apologizes and promises never to make another meme again. Let's do that. Because we hate doxing. We hate harassment. We hate bullying. It's not fair. Hey, let's let's accost this little old lady on her own front lawn, uh, front lawn and accuse her of being a Russian spy, basically. Because we hate doxing. We hate harassment. We hate bullying private people. It's just not fair here at CNN. Hey, let's call the Covington school kids Nazis and KKK members, or at least the modern face of those movements, based on no information whatsoever. Let's put their names out there. Remember people saying, let's get their names out there in the paper. Everybody needs to find these kids and beat them. Remember people saying we should kill them, right? Because we hate death threats. We hate doxing. We hate bullying people. It's just so unfair. Exactly, puddle mama. Unless they do it. <laughs> Unless they do it. Um, I'll tell you what. I've got one more here. Let's send you off on a high note. I was going to save this for tomorrow, but we may as well do it now. Ladies and gentlemen, would you like to... Are you a libertarian? Would you like to meet your libertarian dream girl? Well, if you're a libertarian man and you're looking for your libertarian dream girl, then I have got the woman for you. Ladies and gentlemen, the free market brings you... The Des Moines attorney unveils her life as a prostitute. (laughs) 
A Des Moines attorney is on a mission to decriminalize prostitution. The issue is personal to her personal. because Catherine Spear, Sears works as a part-time prostitute when she's not in the courtroom. KCCI's Laura Terrell <laughs> has the exclusive eye-opening interview, but we do have to warn you, some of the topics and photos in this story may not be appropriate for all viewers. Oh, really? It's definitely appropriate for this audience. <laughs> I like sex. Sex is fun, and I can get paid for it. She's a Des Moines attorney and a part-time prostitute. <laughs> yes, you heard. Now, I, I need to. I need to put something out here. I need to pull something out here. Um, I I don't have a problem with um, if if because I'm I'm very libertarian when it comes to that. If somebody wants to deliver a service between two consenting or more adults and that service is, you know, of a sexual, then who am I to stop them? Like, that's really up to you. If you want to sell your body and somebody wants to buy your body, then that's your problem, not mine. I really don't care what you do. Like, and, it, you know, it should be legal and it should be, you know, okay. If that's what people want to do, then fine. It's a service as far as I'm concerned. But the thing that I... The problem that this young lady has is... And this is this is going to be a stretch for, for some people, but um, let me explain. I think that this problem relates to Plato's theory of the forms, okay? <laughs> now, she might be an incredibly talented prostitute, but she's always going to struggle as a, an attorney once this show, once this video gets out there. And here's why. I'll give you the boiled down version of Plato's theory of the forms. Plato's theory of the forms revolves around the idea that whatever the thing we're talking about is, there's always a, there's something that strikes us in our mind as to what that thing is. So if you take an apple, for example, now, if I say apple, you're thinking of a ripe apple that's ready to eat, right? That's just what you picture in your head. But the reality is there's many stages of an apple. An apple is a seed. An apple is a sapling. An apple is a plant. An apple is a tree. An apple is a fruit growing on a tree. An apple is a ripened fruit that's on a tree. An apple is a ripened fruit that falls from a tree. An apple is a rotting uh, old apple, and an apple is just a core. That's all apple. But when we think of apple, we think of the perfectly ripe fruit. So <laughs> she might say that she is a an attorney who's also a part-time prostitute, but relating to Plato's theory of the forms, when you think of prostitute, you can only see this girl getting dogged viciously for money. <laughs> as soon as somebody mentions prostitute, you can only see her getting teabagged. You can only see her getting uh, rogered in, in the most undignified way for cash. <laughs> and it's not my fault. That's what you think of when you hear the word prostitute. Am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm an attorney, but also a part-time prostitute. As soon as you say prostitute, Plato's theory of the forms kicks in. 
And all you can do now is picture this girl being used and abused for cash in in the most, you know, in the most degenerate ways possible, in the most degenerate ways that your mind could possibly imagine. And it's not her fault, but that's just the way it goes. But let's carry on. For that right. Those are typically two things that don't go hand in hand. Not openly, right? Catherine Sears started working as a prostitute three years ago at the age of 27. She travels to Nevada where prostitution is legal. She says working in a brothel there is something she always wanted to do. You can make a job out of this. That's fantastic. Why would I not do this? <laughs> I don't know. Because you're trying to get a career as an attorney, perhaps? <laughs> Wait, wait, it's, it's, it's like she just, it's like she's, she's so pure. She just woke up and said, wait a minute, people will pay me to have sex? This is amazing. Why wouldn't every, why isn't everybody a prostitute? <laughs> why wouldn't anybody do this for a living? Well, <laughs> there's a number of reasons that I could come up with. Oh, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> like I said, if you're a libertarian guy, I've found your gal. Sears admits she is painfully shy, but feels empowered being a sex worker. She says, "What was I just saying before about that about that article? Remember, ladies and gentlemen, the true source of power is not the uh, the Johnson and the testicles swinging beneath the military uniform. It is the Johnson and testicles." that are attracted to the specific vagina. That's where the power comes from. The vagina. <laughs> I bet you John Bolton would completely, he would completely reverse course on all of his foreign policy ideas over the last 40 years if the right girl came along. If the right girl came along, maybe this girl, maybe this libertarian prostitute lawyer if she came along and started dangling the good stuff in front of John Bolton, he would say, you know what? I just think we need to love everybody, man. We just need to have a great big orgy, brown, yellow, white, all the colours under the rainbow. An orgy for peace. Let's just get all the people on a big waterbed in the middle, on the middle of planet Earth and let's just fuck our anger out. Then we won't want to kill each other anymore. If the right girl came along, this could be John Bolton. But we'll, unfortunately, thanks to Donald Trump, the dictator, we'll never know. She's so passionate about decriminalizing prostitution, she wanted to speak on camera about her mission. I think the more we talk about it, the better our chances are of getting the decriminalization that we're pursuing. We're not going to have legislative change if we're passive about it. Certain situations. Okay. Sears and now, this is the husband. <laughs> this is the husband. <laughs> Another attorney. Uh. <laughs> now, <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast, you're not going to get this. But I'm going to pause in a moment and I'm going to allow the people after this guy makes his statement when he's asked about his wife's part-time job. The part-time job of being a prostitute. When he's asked about his wife's part-time job... I want you to gauge the reaction and on a scale from one to 10 in the chat, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest, I want you to tell me how happy is this guy with his wife's quote unquote part-time job. 
based just entirely on his reaction to the question. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> get your get your number pads ready. But let's do this. One the lowest, ten the highest. How happy is this guy about his wife's part-time job? Her husband John met at Drake Law School a few years ago when she was already working as a. I'm sorry, I have to interrupt. <laughs> Imagine being a. You're, you're a reasonably attractive young man and you meet this... She's pretty. She's good-looking, right? She's a good-looking girl. Let's be honest here. She's an, she's, a, she's an objectively attractive woman, right? So you go to law school and you start talking to this attractive... And you're like, I have hit the jackpot, man. I'm 23 years old. I'm at law school. She's brilliant. She's smart. She's beautiful. This is the girl of my dreams. And then at the age of 27, she turns around to you and says, hmm, honey, you know, I've been really fighting for that uh, legalization of prostitution bill. And he's like, yeah, of course, we, we love freedom. Women should be free to make their own choices, right? And she goes, yeah, I'm going to head down to Nevada and get fucked by morbidly obese men who just won money at the casino. Do you have a problem with that? Um... um. Honey, do you know how we've been working on that prostitution bill? Yeah, yeah. I'm all for it, babe. You know I support you in everything that you do. Great. Great. Because I'm going to go down there and take anal for 200 an hour. Do you have a problem with that? Um, uh, I'm going to let some guy shoot baby juice into my mouth for $300 on the weekend. Is that okay? You know, women making their own choices, right? Empowering. Yep. Um, uh, I I really thought that we were going to be sticking to the law side of this. You know, I didn't know that you were going to end up in a whorehouse. I didn't know that that was going to be part of the plan. <laughs> well, okay, one one the lowest, ten the highest. How happy is this guy? Certain situations. Okay. Sears and her husband John met at Drake Law School a few years ago when she was already working as a prostitute. The couple is now practicing criminal defense law together in Des Moines. What do you think of your wife being a prostitute? I, well, I don't really care that much. <laughs> really? <laughs> Really? <laughs> you want to say it again? One more time. Let's see if he really cares that much or not. What do you think of your wife being a prostitute? I, well, I don't really care that much. <laughs> it's all ones. It's wall-to-wall -wall ones in the chat. <laughs> Oh, this poor guy. <laughs> this poor guy. <laughs> he met the girl of his dreams. He met the girl of his dreams at law school, of all places. At law school. A smart, funny, passionate, beautiful woman at law school. What are the odds? Man, I hit the jackpot. <laughs> so... What do you think of your wife being a prostitute? I, uh, I, I really uh, don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. 
Sensational <laughs> stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, the libertarian girl of your dreams. Uh, that brings us to the end of another edition of the Daily Boogie. People, uh, Glory Warrior in the chat's like, sorry, that's disgusting. I know. It had to be disgusting. I mean, look at the story we're talking about here. <laughs> I had to do it do it justice. Don't blame me. Don't blame me. <laughs> blame law school. That's where all of these things go down. Um, a quick reminder, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper, become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to send me down to Nevada to do some in-depth research on this young lady, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Um, this is the channel, by the way, for the Periscope viewers. From now on, I will be uh, doing the show on this channel at Daily Boogie Show. Um, I think that's it. Don't forget to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS and at Chris Mac Forty Four, who I'm sure is very approving of my program today with his very pro-Christian message. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> Until tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back probably at the si- at the same time around six p.m. Uh, Until then, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.